0: great to see you guys this morning. We're so thankful that you've chosen to worship with us today. I'm Barrett, one of the pastors here. And if you're new this morning, a special welcome to you. We're um, Island Community Church, just a group of believers who all live in this area, who love uh, the Lord, love what he's done for us in Jesus, believe in his love for us, being the hope of our life, wanting to live surrendered to him and just live out his heart and vision in our city, in our uh, community, in our world. And join together in that. And so we just hope you feel welcome this morning. I uh, cannot believe it's August the 2nd. I just can't. Yeah, what? Um, I honestly just can't. I, I don't know if you're like me, but the summer has just gone really quick. My, my parents always told me, the older you get, the quicker time goes. And um, I'm always like, you're all just old. So be quiet. Uh, that's not true, but it's true. <laughs> uh, I feel... Uh, Not to call you out, Carl and Iron, but I can't imagine. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) I love these two so much. But is it true? Time goes quicker. See? So, spoken from the elderly among us. Uh, It's true. Right, Iron? It's true. It just happens. And um, it it seems that way more and more. But it is August the 2nd. And... um, we're just going to not resist it, but embrace it. Eric cannot get over that. I just called out the elderly among us. He thinks it's mean, but they know I love them. Um, but anyway, August the 2nd. Uh, I do hope that, see, this time in, in the church life is important because it's kind of that in between time between uh, summer, it's, it's the trail end of summer, kind of the start of fall, but it, doesn't quite, it definitely doesn't feel like fall. Lord have mercy does not feel like fall, but it's beginning to transition to fall. And this next few weeks are important in the life of our church. We're going to see people stop traveling all over the place. we are see more consistency in people just being able to be here on Sundays. I hope that includes you. We also see a huge uh, kind of influx of people that are moving into the community for the first time. If you live on Mud Island, you know I'm talking about the houses are selling like crazy people move into the community to begin either jobs or to begin residencies or school. And that always brings a new group of folks into the church around August season. So it's gonna be an exciting time. I really hope that you will participate with us and just be excited to be here in the month of August. And uh, starting next week, like Jordan mentioned earlier, I am gonna be teaching a a really short series in the next uh, few weeks as we transition into our fall series, which I'm super excited about. We are going to be um, doing a book study starting the week after Labor Day um, in Ephesians. Stoked about our fall um, study but in between now and then, when small groups get kicked back off, we're going to be taking some time to really talk about who we are as a church. I try to do this at least once a year, and it's not just a repeat, 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 but it's a really critical time for us to remember who God has called us to be together and the things that he's called us to do together. Um, And so we're going to be looking at that in the next weeks. Um, It's going to be good for people who are coming in for the first time, and for those of us who are regularly a part of the church, I really, really, really want you to engage with this series because we're going to be putting out some new and fresh ways of talking about things that we've already been talking about and measuring things that we've already been talking about and are committed to that I think are really going to help all of us together to know who we're supposed to be as we walk into this next season of growth uh, together. So everybody look excited, at least look excited. August is going to be cool. Plus, we have our our big student Welcome Sunday on the 17th, which is awesome, and just like two or three weeks uh, welcoming all the students who come into UTHSC and other schools. In addition, um, you get to sign up for a new season of volunteering on Sundays. We really want you to volunteer once a month, and we get to kind of reestablish that. So anyway, all that said, this is a wonderful, wonderful time of year, and we're glad you're here this morning. Today we are actually concluding, and if you haven't been here before, it's totally cool. Um, Just receive what God has for you today, and also know that um, all of these messages are also available online through our podcast or iTunes or the website. But today we are concluding the series we've been in all summer, um, Rhythms. And if you've been here, if you haven't, I'll just tell you what we've been doing this summer is going through a study, a, a practical study of spiritual disciplines. My desire in this study has just been that it would whet your appetite and really help to move you in a, in a direction of life that really helps you to be serious about establishing some rhythms in your life, intentional movements. Disciplines is another way to describe it. It's hard, it's hard to um, get strong in muscular muscles without having... I don't see. I'm just not strong. I don't even know how to say muscles um, because I I don't have them. But it's it's hard to build muscle without going to the gym or doing things that help exercise that to work toward that. It's hard. Most things in life that we want, um, we need to move toward them in intentional ways. The same is true all the more with our relationship with God. And I have been trying to encourage us week after week that if you don't set your life intentionally with certain rhythms that move you closer to the Lord, into relationship with Him, and to to know Him, to be like Him, then man, we're just missing out. You know, we cannot control God, and our relationship with God is not based on what we do. Thank the Lord. If there's nothing else you hear this morning, hear this, that. Your relationship with God, you can have a relationship with God not based on what you do, but on, based on what God has done for you and his great love for you and giving his one and only son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, who believes in him with their heart and confesses him with their mouth. The Lord is willing and able to save those who just call out to Jesus for forgiveness of sins and new life. Isn't that good news? That's the good news. But the reality is, though that is true, God wants us to seek him. He wants us to move toward him. It says those who seek him will find him, Isaiah says, when they seek him with what? Or Jeremiah, excuse me, all of their heart. And so the question is, are we seeking God with all of our heart? Are are the rhythms of our life moving us to know him more. And what we see as the heartbeat of the scripture, Psalm 41, I have been trying to encourage you to memorize verses throughout um, this summer series, but one of them, as a deer pants for the flowing streams, God, so my soul pants for you, God. My soul longs after you. See, that's the sentiment of those who know the Lord. It's not a intellectual understanding or assent. It's not some transactional um, type relationship where it's like, I, okay, I'll do this, you give me this, and then we're done. No, it is a, it's an intimate love relationship with the living God. That is the heartbeat of Christianity. It is a pursuit, a growing relationship with the living God. And those who know God, in a real way. And that is what it looks like to have a relationship with God. Knowing Him, enjoying Him, living surrendered to Him. Those who know Him in a real way want to know more of Him. Uh, you, you can't know the Lord and not want to know Him more. Now, I know there are seasons of dryness and there are seasons of rebellion, but the general trajectory and pursuit of our life is that we want to know God more. And at, at the bottom of all of this talk about discipline is this desire. And hey, if you don't have the desire, that's the first place to start. Maybe, you know, you want to hear nothing else other than me say, hey, this morning you could cry out for that. Uh, there's a starting place and it's just you humbling yourself for the Lord and saying, Lord, I don't have that desire to know you. I don't. I do not have a living authentic relationship with you. It's just church attendance or it's just this decision I made long ago, but it's not real. That is the base of all of this talk and that's where it really starts. But the reality is once that desire is there, you can fuel it. Much like Who's ever tried to light a fire? Yeah? Um, I was in Boy Scouts once, believe it or not. Hardly any of you are going to believe this. I was a Boy Scout and a very rugged one at that. Just kidding. Uh, I made my tent inside and uh, plugged my hair dryer up in the morning. Um, I was in Boy Scouts once and we had to learn how to to do the fires. But you can start a fire. I never did it with a magnifying glass or with sticks. I could not ever figure that out. But when you start a fire, anybody knows this, uh, it gets going a little bit. Then what do you have to do? You have to tend to it, right? You have to like blow on it and you have to, you know, facilitate, you have to add newspaper to it or whatever it is that you choose. I probably do it wrong, but you add stuff to it to basically grow that fire so that it really catches on. And even once it's grown, you still have to tend to it such that it continues we had staff retreat this past week, which was really awesome. And one of the things that we were, look, we were studying, Second Timothy together as a, as a team, and it says, Paul says clearly, Timothy, fan into flame that gift that had been given to you. In other words, blow that fire that God starts in your heart. If you have a desire for God, even if just a small one, there are things that we can do to intentionally grow that desire, to Fan that flame. It would not be an encouragement of scripture if it wasn't something that we couldn't do, right? So what are we doing individually to really grow our love for God and to grow our likeness of God in our life? That's this whole uh, series. So rather than if, if nothing else, that's really what I've been trying to ask you to evaluate week in and week out. What does the rhythms of your life look like? And are they moving you in a Godward direction? I pray, I pray that you are living intentionally to know God more and to have more of his life in your life. That's the heartbeat of this series. So that's what I really want you to evaluate. Now today we've got one more to do. And we've been using this acronym, worship. If y'all don't mind... This may sound cheesy and some of you may not like it, but i really like to just read these out loud, okay? Because sometimes it helps when we connect our mouth to our brain. Um, these are the categories that we've been looking at this summer. And I hope that many of you are already kind of really familiar with these or memorized these. If you haven't written them down, I encourage you to do that. But what are some intentional rhythms of life that we could move into that really help to fuel the flame of our desire for God? Here they are. Let's read them together. Worship God. Open myself to God. Relinquish the false self and idols of my heart. Share my life with others. Hear the word of God. Incarnate Christ's love for the world. And today, pray to God. Again, these are categories of Rhythms that we can move into, and each of these categories have practical disciplines. Again, if you've missed any of them, I really strongly encourage you to go online and listen. Download the PowerPoints that I've created to really help you move in these Godward directions. But today, we're on the final one, which is pray to God. And I know that uh, most of Memphis has been is really disappointed that this series is coming to a close. Uh, you can laugh at that, it's kind of funny. Um, no, but. It's, it's been a really good, really good study. And I'm thankful for those of you who have chosen to come and share stories with us about how God has really begun to, to transform you um, through the things that we've been studying together in God's word. And I pray that today would be a continuation of that. Let me pray. God, we just thank you for this time together. And Lord, as we spend the next very brief minutes looking at this last um, desire, that you have for us to live intentionally in a lifestyle of prayer. Lord, that you would speak to us, that you would stir us. Lord, that you would fan into flame the gift that you gave us, that, that heart. Lord, that we would be like the church in Revelation. Oh, would you just return to your first love? God, that we would in some way this morning just be reignited to pursue you, to know you too. We surrender to you more than when we came in the door. We thank you for your love for us in Jesus. And Lord, we pray this in his name. Amen. So pray to God. If you've got your Bibles, if you will open them briefly to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And as you do, I just want to tell you, um, I think this particular category and then the other one I would add to this is the H, the hear the word of God are the, the two primary, fundamental, absolutely essential, basis of all the others uh, kind of categories. If the, there are two things, if you look at the book of Acts, which is not our study, uh, our focus passage today, but there are two things, the early church, the, the disciples of Jesus, those who were with him, really laid the foundation for in the early church that continued for up until this day, two essentials that were the basis, the bedrock of Christian life. One is spending time with God in his word. Second, spending time with God in prayer. Spending time with God in his word and spending time with God in prayer. It is, I would like to suggest to you, infeasible to think that you would grow in your relationship with God. And I'm not saying have a relationship with God, but grow in your relationship with God without contact, regular contact with his word and regular contact with his spirit. You need God's word and God's spirit. They they are like logs to the fire. They fuel, they ignite greater love for God, greater understanding of God, greater awareness of God, greater surrender to God they are just indispensable in our pursuit of god and i don't say that just as my opinion i say that based on the word of god those are the two essentials out of all that we've talked about and if there's any two if you know if you're here and you're thinking okay i don't i like i don't do anything like and there's no rhythm in my life to move toward god and that's okay like, we've all been there at some point but let me just encourage you suggest to you that these two be your starting places you know, you don't, um, if you've never run before, you don't immediately go and try to run the Olympic marathon, right? You try to sprint to your mailbox and back. And that's what I try to do. I'm still working on that one. Um, but you take little baby steps, but a baby step would be just begin to spend some time every day or sometime every week in the word of God outside of Sundays, letting God speak to you and then begin to spend some time with God in prayer. So I can't overemphasize how important this particular category is to our uh, walk with God prayer. It is like a catapult into a deepening relationship with God. And I speak to you humbly this morning because um, I feel like a baby in prayer. I feel like I am just learning. You know, pastors are humans too. We are all growing in the Lord. I'm growing the Lord just as much as I want you to be growing in the Lord. And I feel, I want to be a better prayer. You know, we all pray at some time or another, but the pursuit of a greater heart and life of prayer is something that I really desperately want to grow in as a man uh, and as a pastor. And I want us, I want you to grow in prayer. Um, So it's just so fundamental. Here's why. And I know I asked you to turn to Matthew 6 and stay there because I'm about to get there. It is, we're talking about, what God has for us being a relationship, prayer is simply, if you had to understand it, that intimate relationship life that you have with God, it is an ongoing conversation. With God all the time, where you are opening yourself to Him and you're speaking to Him and allowing yourself to be known to Him, and He is opening Himself up to you, and He's speaking to you and pouring into you. It is that interplay between the divine and the human, between our spirits with God's spirit. And in that beautiful place is is the real amazement of a relationship with God. It happens through prayer. Prayer is not so much an activity as it is a a lifestyle. Let me say that again. It's not so much as an activity that you do as much as it is, let me say this, a heart attitude that God calls you to have. Such that in a constant way in your life, you are communing, you are experiencing a back and forth relationship, a living relationship with God. That is really the encouragement of prayer. Is that you should so live in a way that you are constantly in communion with God, where you are known to Him and He is known to you, and there is beauty, there is peace, there is rest, there is joy. Prayer is joy because it is identified as simply a true, sincere relationship with the living God. Does that make sense? It's awesome. Um, and so as we look at the scriptures this morning, I do want you to know that deep, deep down um, behind the instruction is an invitation. It's, don't see it as like, oh, I need to pray. No, it's an invitation for you to learn to pray that you might grow in your love and your understanding and your relationship with God. So a couple of reasons that we see, a couple of ways we see this in scripture. You're at Matthew chapter five. I mean, excuse me, Matthew chapter six. Everybody there? I think it's on the screen also. Um, if you have it prayer, it is the will of God. This is not Barrett's word. It is the will of God that you learn to pray and you practice prayer. This is God's word to us. Jesus comes on the scene, God in the flesh, and he speaks to us. And he says things like this, Matthew chapter six. Look at verse five. He says, and when you pray. Now everybody say that with me. Read verse five, the start of verse five out loud. What's it say? Jesus says, and when you pray. What is, tip, what is behind that expression? It's an assumption, right? An expectation that you are going to be praying, right? And he goes on to teach us. Now, one of the things you can do as you learn to pray is f- go through the Gospels and look at every time Jesus talks about prayer and use that as a study for yourself. I'm not going to have time to do it this morning because um, I've heard that people only like me to teach about 30 to 40 minutes. And that really stinks. Um, it really stinks for you all. Um, <laughs> But if I had all day, we could do a whole workshop on prayer, but maybe later we should because this has really piqued my heart but Jesus is assuming that we know that we should be praying people. He goes on to teach us the lord 's prayer he says essentially um, don 't be like the guys who go out and pray so they can be seen by other people that 's verse five don 't But rather, verse 6, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your Father. In other words, prayer is a very intimate experience between you and the Father. It's not something you do only when you come in church at Sundays. It's not some religious routine that you do to make other people think. Or, oh, let's pray before the meal. Okay, let's all pray. Okay. And then we do the little routine. Rather, Jesus is teaching us, he's inviting us that prayer is something that's really special. It's a special time for you to have with God. He says, go into that secret place to your inner room. Pray to God there and the Father who sees you, he's going to reward you. We'll talk about that in a second. He says, don't heave but empty phrases, verse seven, like the Gentiles do for they think that Prayer is all about the right kind of words. I don't know if anybody has ever been intimidated to pray because you think, well, gosh, I've listened to other people pray and I just don't know how to pray like that. They pray all these religious phrases or they know the special secret formula, right? There's the magic phrase and I don't know those phrases. I didn't grow up in church. and I'm just new to this stuff. And you're intimidated to pray because you think that your prayers sound kind of goofy and childlike and you just have simple words. Well, listen, Jesus says, that's a good thing. When you pray with big phrases just to be heard and all this kind of stuff just because you think God likes the fancy prayers? No. Jesus continually encourages us to come to him like children, to their dad. You know, my my little Caroline, last night was so funny. Uh, we were with <laughs> Nick and Mary and Caroline, uh, she was kept looking at Nick and saying, I don't even know what. Um, she just blah blah blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you know, what are you saying? That makes no sense. But she's definitely saying something, right? She says, come to me like that. Just come to me with the expressions that you have, with the authentic heart, like a little child to their father. I know what you need. So just come to me. That's what he's asking. And then he says, teach, and he says, when you pray, pray like this. And then the Lord's Prayer. Everybody who knows it, you can say it or you can read it there. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever and forever. Jesus clearly teaching us to pray, encouraging us, assuming that we would pray Later in Luke chapter 11, verse nine, you can mark this and look at it later. Jesus says to his disciples, he says, listen, I tell you this. If you ask, it will be given to you. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, the door will be opened to you. What is Jesus talking about here? He's talking about going to God in prayer. In other words, you have needs in your life and Jesus is saying to you, listen, I know you have needs and I want you to come to me. I'm asking you, I'm inviting you to come. When you ask, it will be given. When you seek, you will find. When you knock, the doors will be open. Again, in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, one of my favorite little parables about prayer. The gospel writer tells us why Jesus tells the parable of the persistent widow. And that's one that I would encourage you, if you want to grow in prayer, to go and read the first verses of Luke chapter 18 this week and your time in the word and read that parable about the persistent widow. But starting that parable, the writer tells us in verse one, and he told them a parable to the effect. In other words, here's the reason why he told this parable, that they ought always to pray and to not lose heart. In other words, Jesus giving us his word for a reason that we would learn to pray And not to lose heart as we're praying, to be persistent, to be continuous, to be believing in our prayer life. So again, the word of God comes to us and says, listen, you wanna know what it's like to intentionally establish rhythms of life that help to grow your relationship with God? Here's one of the greatest things you can do, God says, pray, learn to pray. Again, in the New Testament, we see some other encouragements in Colossians. I think I've got here on the screen. Four, verse two. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Being watchful in it with thanksgiving. How would you put that in your own words? Pray all the time, right? Don't stop praying. Make prayer a habit of your life. And do it with thanksgiving. Being watchful for how God's going to answer. In other words, it's not empty prayers. You're expecting that God's going to answer. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 is one of the more famous encouragements to pray. And verse 17, right in the middle, is one of the shortest verses of the Bible. Use that for trivia night this Tuesday, Jordan. Um, It's not the shortest, but it's one of the shortest. Pray without ceasing is its own little verse. I have no idea why they did that, but it's kind of cool. Here's the whole context. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In other words, if you are in Christ and you want to know his will, sometimes we don't have to pray to know God's will, we can just open the word and see what is his will. If you're in Christ and you want to know God's will, here it is, learn to pray without ceasing what do you mean, Barrett? I have a job. I can't pray all day long. What do you mean? I have. I go to Kroger. I have a normal life. You're a pastor. You do that little hermitage stuff, right? Sometimes people think that, which is part of why I don't know. I think I respect other traditions and religions, of course, and by no means mean this as any discouragement, but if we only think about spiritual people as people who are completely detached from the world and have all the time, you know, like in a monk or monastery and have all the time just to give to God, if we always think that that's what it looks like if you're to live completely surrendered to God, then you'll never actually be able to live surrendered to God in your everyday life. I think God calls us to live surrendered to God in the things that we do. You know, he's not saying go create a conclave and separate yourself forever and ever. And by all means, there are men and women of God who have been called to that. In scripture, we see God calling people to that kind of separation. But this encouragement is for you as you go to school, as you work, as you take care of your kids, as you make dinner and you shop at Kroger. How can you learn to pray without ceasing? Make the attitude of your heart, the rhythm of your life, such that you are living in constant communion with God. Does that make sense? So, we've got some encouragement and some instructions. And here I want to end the scripture with this invitation. If you'll turn to Hebrews chapter 4, I want you to see this one for yourself so that you can go back later and claim it as a promise. Hebrews is a little bit later in the New Testament. Um, Hebrews chapter 4, there's a wonderful invitation to you in verse 16. I'm going to start in verse 14 so you can get the context, and I just want you to hear this is God's word to you. Since then, we have such a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted just as we are, yet without sin. Here's the verse I want you to hold on to. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Let me read it again. Let us then with confidence do what? draw. All right, help help me out. Let us then with confidence. Do what? Draw near. In other words, come close to God in prayer. That's the act of prayer, drawing near to God, to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find help in our time of need. The clear in invitation. See, it's Again, I'm trying to spin the paradigm. It is an instruction. It is a command. It is saying, this is what God wants you to do. But behind the instruction is this wonderful reality that God knows. It's that if you would come near Oh, the wonderful things that he would do in your heart and life. He can give all the grace, the help, the compassion that you need as you walk the journey of life with him. Oh, would you just learn to come and draw near to the throne of grace. You don't have to live life on your own. You don't have to make decisions on your own. You don't have to figure it out on your own. You don't have to go through these hard seasons on your own if you would just learn, realize, believe the promise that he is a wonderful and merciful high priest. He's not distant, but he's close. He understands you. He's not far off. He has what you need, grace and help and compassion. Oh, would you draw near. You hear the invitation? The instruction is for your good. That's why Jesus with the lady at the well, John chapter four. I had this verse up here too, verse 10. Jesus says, you know what? If, if you knew the gift of God, and who... It, It is that saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She's out at the well, all by herself, the hottest time of day, looking for something that she didn't have. And Jesus is helping her see, in your time of desperation, if you just knew the gift of God, you surely would have asked him. In other words, a lot of our trouble in prayer is not believing what God wants to do when we pray. And if we just knew what God could do, wants to do, when we begin to really embrace a posture of prayer, then we would surely go to him more to ask of him, to spend time with him, to commune with him. Does that make sense? So, I'm going to stop there in the scripture, not in the sermon. Don't get your breath up just too quick. Um, I'm just stopping there right now with the scripture, okay? Here's the reason, because I think I've, I want you to hear from God that prayer is something that we need to figure out, we need to move into. Prayer is, is an assumption. It's just a given in your life. You know, God looks at me and thinks, of course he knows he can pray, <laughs> Of course Barrett knows that he should live, surrender to me. Of course he'll come to me and ask of me. Of course he knows that he can't do it on his own, right? There's an assumption that we know uh, that we should live in prayer. And that should be a growing relationship of learning God more. The question uh, comes for us often um, why it is that... um, We don't pray. And honestly, I mean, I've just told you, I I don't pray like I should and like I want to. You've got to answer that question yourself, but it would be helpful for you as you want to grow in this to figure out why is it that you don't pray? I think a lot of times for me, hmm, it looks like maybe not wanting to, to admit that I can't do it on my own. Anybody else been there? Sometimes prayer is a last resort. It's the Hail Mary. When we get in situations where we just go, oh Lord, you know, it's those crisis moments in life. And God doesn't want us to see prayer that way. It's not that he's deaf to prayer in that way, but he is deaf to prayer when it's asked with our unselfish passions. But he wants us to see prayer, not as the Hail Mary, but as the very first thing that you would do in any given situation and even any given circumstance in any given time of need that prayer, turning to God, would be the very first reaction of your heart. That's why he says, pray continually. Got that? Jesus says, John 15, abide in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So maybe it's that, and you could jot down even this morning, maybe one of the reasons that you haven't grown in prayer like you should is because you're not willing to admit the depth of your need. You're not willing to give up the independent, self-sufficient life that you're so prone to live. Uh, that you haven't learned to that relying on God all the time is not a weakness; it's a strength. <laughs> Sometimes we view that as a crutch, but that's the way our life was meant to be lived. You know, you're weakest when you try to live on your own. Jesus says in Second Corinthians, "When you're weak, I am strong." So maybe that's it. Maybe it's that we don't really believe that prayer does anything. Maybe we think that the laws of nature are just fixed. And, you know, to pray or not to pray doesn't really matter. It's all going to turn out the same way anyway. Anybody ever thought that? You don't have to raise your hand. Uh, I've thought that before. There are times that I've been praying for long seasons for something, and I go, oh, well, gosh, nothing's happening. Just stop praying for that. The Bible says to us, oh, be careful. That's or I ask you to look at Luke 18 to realize that our prayers do move God. In the scriptures, we see again and again and again that prayer moves the will of God. In other words, there are certain things that happen in response to prayer that will not happen if those prayers are not prayed. You will see some things in your life happen in other people's lives, in our city nation world happen because of prayer that God would not have answered if those prayers had not been prayed. God wants us to connect prayer to his activity in the world, his willingness, his desire, his action in your heart, in your life, in your family, in your neighborhood, and and those maybe you have never even met. Jesus promises us that when we pray, he answers. Now, sometimes the problem is that we don't immediately see those answers or he answers in ways that we don't like. (laughs) But his promise is that every prayer that you pray, he will answer. And if we actually believe that, if I believe that in my own life, would it make you a praying person? I mean, if, if Jesus was standing in front of you face to face and promised you that every prayer you pray that he would answer, would that make you a praying person? What would make you a praying person then? I mean, sometimes I think that's the issue. Sometimes it's just a lack of discipline. We have the desire, but it's never planned. It's never prioritized. Um, I've been wanting to go to the gym for about four years. I still haven't gone. Anybody ever want to do something and you just never do it? You're constantly wanting it, but you never do it. Has anybody ever had that happen? Maybe you really want to go on vacation, but you have just never gone because you haven't planned it. (laughs) You haven't prioritized it. That's the whole purpose of the disciplines here is, but maybe prayer is like that where you're so overwhelmed by everything else in life. The priority of the urgent, everything else comes first. And therefore, because you're not intending to do it, you never actually do it. You never plan to do it and you just never get it done. Maybe it's feeling of lack of God's nearness, feeling like um, God just wouldn't hear you even if you came. But the Bible continually encourages us to come to God, not based on how we feel, but on based on what his word says. And he says to come. He says to come. So bringing ourselves to God is not an act of your feeling on any particular day. It's an act of your will and your choice to believe his word and his promises. So it would be helpful to figure out why you don't come. But then when you come, the last part here, and, I'm, and we'll land the plane with this, is to figure out what, what do you do? One of the most helpful things, um, if you guys bought the book out in the lobby, Richard Foster's um, Celebration of Discipline. He has a chapter that's so helpful because he just basically says, I, When I learned that prayer was to be learned, it freed me up in my spiritual journey of prayer. In other words, when he learned that growing in a prayer life is a process, much like training for a marathon is a process, you don't start out by running the full marathon length, you start by small segments, you build up to that. He said when he began to learn that prayer life was the same way, it freed him up to really experiment to try some new things, to do some things that didn't work and to grow in things that did work. It really helped him to to see that just small steps in the direction of a more prayerful life were wonderful and beneficial steps for him. And uh, it really made me happy um, because so often sitting, has anybody ever just tried to set aside 30 minutes for prayer and then in the first five, you just kind of give up? You're like, oh, Lord, I just made a to-do list. Or I'm sitting there thinking about (laughs) something. You know, and you just feel like, well, even when I'm trying, it doesn't seem like I'm growing. But stick with it. That's the encouragement. Stick with it. Journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. So what are some ways, if you get here, that you could grow in prayer? I'm going to leave you with these, and we're going to go through these really quick. Some some methods of prayer, and all these will be available online. Because, like I said, I'm going to gloss the surface. What um, kind of sticks or what draws you? You go back and look at more later. Simple things like breath prayer have been used for Christians for centuries. The idea is learning to commune with God with the very rhythm of your breathing: breathing out, breathing in, breathing out, breathing in. With your breath prayer, here's how it kind of works. You intake a true attribute of God or a promise of God. And as you breathe out, you release something to God. So it's that it mimics the natural process of breathing, but it encourages your prayer life. Some traditional breath prayers, for instance, the phrase in the scripture, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner. Now, I want everybody to just try this. You're gonna think this is strange. But as you breathe in, I want you to either say or feel Jesus, have mercy. Excuse me, Jesus, son of David. And as you breathe out, you would breathe out or feel, have mercy on me, a sinner. Everybody try that. Breathe in. Jesus, son of David. Breathe out, have mercy on me, a sinner. Does that make sense? You breathe in and you breathe out. Now you would stick with one of these scriptural phrases or promises of God all day such that it becomes just instinctive to as you breathe, as you breathe and you're conscious of your breath that you are aware of the person and the presence of God and you are actively giving over to God your concerns. Another one, um, for instance, shepherd, lead me beside still waters. A phrase directly out of Psalm 23. You're breathing in, shepherd. You're claiming that this is who God is and this is who you desire, this is who you're calling on. You are breathing out lead me beside still waters. A promise that he's asked you to believe and to embrace, that you would release yourself into his hands, that you would experience his peace and promises. Does that make sense? This is a very common form of praying. And I I know that it may seem mystical to you or weird to you, but it's just a way of embracing the true word of God and beginning to live, as God says, praying continually, receiving from him and giving yourself to him. Another practice of prayer would be this, of, of fasting. And many people don't often think of fasting as a type of prayer, but it very much is. Fasting is the act of letting go of some appetite in your life. And it doesn't just mean food, although food would be, probably be the one that I need to let go of the most. In other words, you're letting go of some appetite, whether it's food, whether it's entertainment, whether it's shopping, whether it's um, reading or some relationship, you're letting go of that for this reason, in order to seek God on matters of deep concern for others, yourself, and the world. It's a self-denial of normal necessity in order to intentionally uh, go to God in prayer. Fasting is one of these things that Jesus doesn't give us strict uh, instruction on, but he does encourage us toward it, that it would become a regular rhythm of our life. Now, fasting, I don't know about you, but from where I came from, fasting was not a normal experience and it's not something that I had a lot of teaching on and I would like to come back to this later when I have more time. But through the process of fasting, you can't for a single meal or maybe it's that you've become, you found yourself for hours on end or maybe just more time than you'd like, numb in front of the TV at the end of the day and yet you don't spend any time with God. See, that's a little bit of a confusing thing, Right? Uh, why would you say you don't have time to spend with God, but yet you have this time for this other kind of activities? Um, it's, it's that kind of thing that you identify as something that's encroaching in upon your heart and life that's stealing your attention away from God. And you're choosing to let that thing go for a defined period of time. And when you let that go, here's, the, here's what happens in fasting. You are gonna feel... In emptiness, your body's gonna be hungry. I don't know about you, but I like three meals a day. Is anybody else with me who likes three meals a day? Uh huh. Only three of us. What what do you guys eat for? Two. How many people eat two meals a day? Come on, guys, eat. All right, just kidding. Um, here I'm saying fasting, and I'm like, no, eat. <laughs> well, I like three meals a day, and when I do, when I choose not to eat, man. Hungry. Additionally, you got folks who may be used to eating with you and they go, why are you not eating? And you know, Jesus has some words for us about that too. But the reality is when you, when you choose, or maybe it's entertainment, you give up that entertainment or that show that you love and you, your heart's going to go, oh, or you're going to become fidgety because you're so used to having something going on in the room that when you're actually by yourself in stillness, it's going to make you uncomfortable. See, what fasting does is it opens up to us that inherent emptiness of our hearts, that ache of our soul, that restlessness that we have as humans. And when other, in other situations, you would try to fill that void with an ice cream sundae, sounds delicious, or that favorite show, or that going out with friends. Instead, you're choosing not to go to those things For a defined period of time, so that you would feel that emptiness at its core, and you would recognize that that is meant to lead you to God, not to things of this world. And so you're gonna go to God. Jesus fasted often with his disciples. He fasted before his ministry began, he fasted when he faced temptation, he fasted before he was needed for a great work of healing he gave himself to God in a special way, turning his emptiness into an opportunity to know God more, to know that man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That it is not my will to do what I want, but rather to do the will of the Father who sent me. To deny yourself so that you would invite more of God. And Jesus says that the one who gives his life up will find it, Right? That's the principle of fasting. Some of us maybe need to learn to fast. To go without a meal a day a week. To go without something else that's vying for God's attention often. Another uh, encouragement you could do is fix our prayer. I won't say anything about this other than in Scripture you see David praying seven times a day, I think it was. Uh, Daniel praying, I think it was, 12 times a day. Jesus praying. Uh, with the Shabbat would often pray three times a day. You see people who take set times aside for prayer. So they would do every morning at seven or every day at lunch or every night before bed. Set times that you know that you're gonna turn to God in prayer. And there's great benefit to that, to set it in your calendar, to put alarm for it and to spend at a time just conversing with God, receiving all that he is and giving him all that you have. Another one is... Um, Inner healing prayer, I'm going to skip this one for now, but there, are, there is great encouragement in scripture that when we are broken, that when we are torn, that when we have absolutely nothing, God wants to heal us and he does it through prayer. Prayer with others for healing. Taking those raw wounds in your heart and your life, making a list of those and going to God regularly for healing. Putting your wounds into his broken side that he might heal you, Another one, um, intercessory prayer, learning to pray for others, praying for a little Caroline as she goes to bed at night, looking at her, dreaming dreams for her, taking the visions that God gives me to the Lord, claiming promises of God over her sweet life, going to God for your neighbors that can seem completely broken, asking God for a word for them, taking them to the Father, because you know they're not going to God themselves, so you are taking them to the Father, much like Abraham did for Lot, people in your family who you love and you have great longings and desires for them, taking those to the Father. And God answered Abraham. Lot wasn't praying in Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham was praying. And for Abraham's sake, he saved Lot. You think that God will answer intercessory prayer? Yes and amen. You begin praying for other people, you will see God do things in their life that they don't even know what's happening. Learning the joy of that is one of the learnings of growth and prayer. Another one here, praying scripture, letting your time in the word to be turned into prayers back to God, knowing that this is His will. A final one I think is prayer walking. Um, this again may sound sound strange, but walking through spaces to allow you to connect your heart to the things in that space, walking through your child's school, praying for the teachers that you see, as you see them, praying for the classrooms and the children that you see, as you see them walking down your neighborhood and praying for the homes that you walk by, lifting those houses up as you look at them, lifting them up to the Lord. Um, Using these movements in our life to connect us with opportunities to learn greater prayer. I'll stop there because I'm out of time. And, uh, I want to respect your time. You've got other things to do today. But the most important thing that we could do is what we've been doing in this hour. This day is for the Lord, drawing near to him. And as we close this series, I want you to really evaluate. Do you really desire God? Do you really? I mean, if it's just you and God and he's just looking at you, he knows everything in you. Is that desire there? Not what you would tell me, but what's really there. If not, I really pray that this summer and this word today even, would just put you in a posture of prayer that you would say, Lord, the purpose of my life is not to go to church on Sundays, not to check off some box that I'm a Christian or have some assurance of where I'm going after I die, but Lord, the purpose of my life is knowing you, God. And there's nothing more than I want. Maybe today's the first day you would say this, but Lord, there's nothing more than I want than to have a genuine relationship with you. And I believe what you've done for me in Jesus is enough for that, that his work on the cross, his life, death, and resurrection is enough for that. And I just come to you today asking that you would give me a desire for you. Or maybe this is you returning to that desire, just saying, God, would you reignite, would you fuel the flame of my desire for you? Would you pray that prayer today? And secondly, as it relates to this conversation about prayer, would you be honest enough to say, God, my prayer life is not what it should be. And you call me to pray continually, and I'm not there yet, Lord. And I want to learn, as your child, what it would look like to live in more communion with you day in and day out. God, I hear your word, and I receive it, and I want to be changed, God. God so that I could be a person who adopts, adopts an attitude of prayer in my heart and life, that I would not try to live self-sufficiently, but that I would live in everything dependently, surrendered to you, listening to you, receiving from you, getting direction from you, Lord, and I would just be constantly surrendered to you, Lord, that I would learn the joy of what you can do in my life, not what I can do in my life. God, would you help me today to move into a greater life of prayer. And help me to do one of these things that's just gonna add fuel to the fire that I would learn how to be a greater prayer of you, believing that you hear and you answer when I bring myself to you. Would you just pray those prayers today? If you'll stand as Robbie sings and we close our service in song, that you would respond to God as he leads. If you wanna pray with me, or someone else, if you would like to join our church or make a decision for Christ, come. But this is time for you to respond to God right now in your heart. He's listening, he's ready, he's able and willing. Pray to him and allow him to minister to you.